episode of the grind average podcast we've got this is the first big, big guest and i'm gonna i'm okay with saying big guest because she is an up-and-coming podcast star in my opinion she is the co-host of the breaking balls podcast if you are anywhere familiar with yankees twitter she is one of i think the three voices of yankees twitter emily nyman um am i missing anything that i uh your call to fame? Um, no, I think you pretty much said it all. I mean, I wouldn't mind if you said it over again. That was really nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I have to the flat of the guest because I think you have a perspective on, on baseball in particular that is really unique. And it's sort of more analytical than myself. Uh, I, I sort of draw the line at some point. You seem to be more over the line with analytics than I am. And I mean, that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is to give a different perspective than my perspective, which has been called curmudgeon and the old man on the couch. So I'll I'll certainly do my best. So let's, let's just jump right into it here. Um, I think are the, is the spring or the the summer camp game. I keep calling it spring training. Is the summer camp game still going on, or is that is it is it over and done with? Because I caught the first couple of innings. I saw Stanton go yard against Paxton, which we'll get to Stanton in a minute here. But your overall just reflection on summer camp this far, and how many have you actually watched? I've only watched, I've only been able to watch one in completion, like from start to finish. I've caught pieces of the other ones because they've been starting at weird times. Whereas right. the first one started, I think at, I don't know, it was like seven o'clock. So I just then right. assumed that it would always be at seven, just thinking like, oh, like sort of like a baseball schedule that right. it would just be going on at the same time. But then I would put it on at, you know, seven thirty, and it would be over in like, 45 minutes or a half hour or whatever. So I've caught a good amount of it. It's, it's practice. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't put so much stock into it uh, as a lot of people tend to do. I was, I'm never a big spring training sort of fan in the beginning of the regular before any of this sort of goes down and they have real spring training. I, I'll watch the first game, but that's pretty much it. So uh, this sort of stuff it doesn't, I'm psyched to see live baseball, but it, it's, it's not the same. <laughs> No, it's not the same, and to think that on Monday we were supposed to be gearing up for the Home Run Derby, and then yesterday, we're recording this on the 15th, was supposed to be the All-Star Game in L.A., so to put that in perspective and say we're we're still, you know, throwing the ball around in practice is sort of weird. I agree with you to a large extent. Um, I do, however, like this aspect of it where... Remember last year when everything out of Boone's mouth in spring training was, you got to see Gio Urshela? Yes, I do. And then Gio went on this massive tear last year and came into his own and was really one of the catalysts for the, the playoff run last year. I think we're seeing that aspect of, oh, okay, well, the camera's on and these guys are playing. Who's the guy that's going to be the next one? I like that aspect of it, and I think that's part of what teams are going to start, hopefully, putting more of this online or on live TV to 
sort of bring the fans in on what's going on in the organization. What, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, so you're saying that you think that moving forward, they're going to televise practices? Why not? It's like, I mean, maybe not all the, you know, pitchers and catcher drills, like pitchers taking BP or doing the, the fielding practice and stuff. But if there's guys that really are tearing it up, I think fans would want to see it. There, there's, I think, a certain appetite for seeing the guy who's, the next Gio Urshela who's going to come up out of nowhere and, and light it up in the Bronx, I, at least from a Yankee fan perspective. I don't know if it's the same around the country. If you're, say, a, a Rockies fan, I don't know if you, you want to continue to watch the, the AAA guy who may or may not be on the team next year. I mean, you're definitely right that people would absolutely watch. I mean, people watch spring training every year. So if right. they were televising practices or, or the – anything like that, people would watch. I, but to be honest, I think that that is unneeded and unnecessary pressure to put on prospects that they're not in the major league level for a reason yet. They are not developed yet, or, you know, obviously there's still some service time ma manipulation that goes on. So mm -hmm. you have guys that may be ready, but are still there, but the vast majority are there because they're just not ready to go to the next level. So I think that if you then introduce a, uh, like a broadcast, or, or and especially their practices being broadcast that they know they're on TV. So those guys, I want them to have no distractions as far as that stuff is concerned. I don't want them to be worried about people seeing them and millions of people watching. Like I want them to be able to focus on what they have to do to reach their potential and to be the sort of athlete and player that the organization has thought that they are going to be since they've now invested all this time and money into them. So I think that keep the TV stuff for the games that and spring training, those kind of games. But beyond that, I don't know. I think it might be a little too invasive, especially for the young guys. Yeah. You bring up a great point. Um, some of it I want because there, there are those guys that break out in spring and then they sneak onto the 40 man roster. And then all of a sudden in June, you're like, who the hell is number 38? Right. And where, where did he come from? I, I like, and homegrown to a certain extent, the minor league show does that to like you get a little bit of it, but maybe that's just all we're going to get is homegrown spring training games and, and regular season games going forward here. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll, we'll be right back. Feed Hudson Valley is a regional food rescue and harvesting network in the Hudson Valley operating through Dutchess, Orange, Ulster, Columbia, Green, Putnam and Sullivan counties. It links donors of prepared but unserved food and fresh produce with nonprofits and food assistant programs through an app assisted network of food donors, volunteers, and feeding agencies. Feed Hudson Valley facilitates the harvesting, processing, and distribution of locally grown or produced agricultural products, self stable food donations, and prepared nutritious foods. The app used is called Chowmatch, and it is easy for volunteers to download and use. Among the donors are restaurants, farms, food makers, stores, hospitals, and universities. The food assistant programs include food pantries, soup kitchens, and shelters. Volunteers are matched through the Chowmatch app when a donation is available. They can indicate that they are available to make a run and then pick it up for a donor and deliver it to the agency. The Feed Hudson Valley Network 
currently includes over 300 volunteers, 130 donors, and 95 receiving agencies. Last year, on average, Feed Hudson Valley re rescued and redirected over 12,000 pounds of food each month. Feed Hudson Valley could use more donors and volunteers. To learn more and sign up, visit feedhv.org. Again, that's feedhv.org. One more time, spelled out, F-E-E-D-H-V.org. Now back to the podcast. All right. On uh, the first block, we talked about some summer camp. I, I can't get, I can't say it right. I want to say spring training. Summer camp, it just doesn't seem natural to me. But, and also, uh, summer camp is supposed to be fun. Like, right. this yeah. isn't a fun situation. So calling it summer camp is like a little ironic, I feel like. I, I agree with you. To, to, it's the the feel of one of those broadcasts, and I actually sat through the entirety of it yesterday. Um, it's kind of like an extended BP show and pregame, yeah. and you're just like, all right, like right, I'm ready for the game to start. Where is the game actually going to start? It doesn't feel like baseball, and it doesn't feel like an organic thing that's happening, and it's not. And I don't know. What's your thoughts on the uh, the pumped-in crowd noise? Because I saw some stuff from City Field today with the pumped-in crowd noise, and I guess it could work. I mean, it cuts down on the conversations of people shit-talking in the infield or somebody in the dugout that you might the, the field mics might hear. John Boy might be disappointed, but, you know. Uh, he can read lips, so he'll right, probably be yeah. okay. No, yeah, he's a he's a mastermind with 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 reading lips. So he'll, I think, he'll, and he has the feed. To, he knows somebody to get the feed of the of the, the the field mic, so he'll be fine anyway. I personally, I'm not that into it. I mean, if the players want it, then that's fine with me. Like, I don't really care what they play in the stadium. Whatever the players want is cool. If it's crowd noise, so be it. But if it's for the broadcast and it's for the fans, no thanks. I'm good. I don't need the crowd noise. Like I, I would rather just hear music the entire time, like they do at the All Star Game, than yeah, crowd noise. Yeah, that'd be fun. Last thing on um, quarantine baseball before we get to actual things that might affect the outcomes of the games. Um, are you a fan of the cardboard cutout shenanigans that's going on in other stadiums? Yeah, you know, I I think that's a very because they can't have fans, you know, and the major leagues, they don't really have to resort to all these different gimmicky things to get people into their ballparks and to buy their product. I think that this has a very, like, lower-level baseball feel about it, and I kind of like that. I mean, granted, some some of the prices are, like, you know, $86 or whatever, and that's certainly not cheap for some people, but it still is kind of like a, a gimmicky thing, so I kind of like it. Major League Baseball has sort of become stodgy and buttoned up, so when they have to do things like this, it's it's kind of funny uh, my opinion on it has softened a little bit when i first saw that i was like you've got to be kidding me i'm not paying 80 something dollars to maybe get a foul ball hit hit at my cardboard cutout and, and there's no way i'm like there's no possible way you're going to see yourself on tv because the companies are going to buy out all the lower bowl seats and like the 100 level seats and you're going to be stuck with your, your, like your, your I'm cardboard cutout in seat 327. Like, I don't want that. I but. guess it's just to be able to say that you did it, you know, because like this is going to be uh, a year and a situation and time in our history that 
is going to be talked about for a long time for every aspect of society and our perspective on it. On it. So I think it's just going to be one of those things to be like, oh, you know how there were no fans in the stands right. in 2020? Well, I actually was in the stands. I was in this seat. And, right. you know, like, I'm sure, and I'm sure they'll do something like have a picture of it taken or, or some something. Maybe, maybe. If you sell, if you send me the ticket stub of the game, just be like, see, I have a ticket stub from August 14th against the Blue Jays, then I, I could get down with that. I mean, I'd still be paying 80-something bucks for a ticket stub, but I could get down with that. And it'll be really funny when a lot of people do that, and I hope that I see some of the same people doing that that were the same people that were, like, sort of lamenting for the owners. Like, like oh, the owners, like their plight during the labor negotiations. And it's like, see, they just sold you a cardboard cutout of yourself in a stadium. Like, right. what and the you, hell? You bought it and you, like, there's going to be trying to tell people... me that this product isn't profitable. Right. Uh, for me, if you're a season ticket holder, you should automatically get a cardboard cutout. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're doing something like that. If not, then I'm like, well, why am I buying season tickets? Like, I would be okay with, with that if I was a season ticket holder ticket holder i already i had five tickets to games this year and i was gonna buy like 10 more but shit i mean though all my games have come and gone but you know that's that that sucks but yeah let's i was supposed to be in a suite in may Oof. first legend suite oh yeah that mm-hmm. that that oof, that stings that really really stings <laughs> well fortunately the this it was i don't know if you know batista adani batista he's also mm-hmm. on Yankees twitter and uh, he's a season ticket holder and has been for a long time. And he has a suite. So he'll offer tickets to people on Yankee Twitter. So that's what we purchased. And obviously the game was canceled. Everyone got their money back. But then he offered everyone that had a ticket to that suite to a free suite game next season or whenever they allow fans in. That's, next. that's awesome. So yeah, I'm pretty guy, pumped for that. He's awesome. He's, Great dude. I, I've seen – he's one of my shadow followers. I, I don't really follow him, but enough people on my timeline – either like or retweet his stuff so i mean it's i basically follow him so i might have to send him a follow after this podcast but let's let's transition into some x-factor stuff and the guy at the top of the list for me is Giancarlo stanton a guy who only played 18 games last year yes he did have an above average opp or ops plus if you played a, a full regular season with at a 138 OPS plus. He had a almost 900 OBP or uh, OPS. He had three homers. He had a big homer in uh, game two, I believe, of the ALCS against the Astros. And I just I want him to stay healthy. If he stays healthy and he produces like we know he can produce, then he's worth the money. But if not, then it's shades of and I know this is going to hurt you because this is your favorite all-time player. It's shades of like 2006 A-Rod and of and if he just continues to be on the shelf of Jacoby Ellsbury. I mean, we could be so we would be so lucky if he was A-Rod. People always make that comparison. And it's like we should hope that during his time here, during this first long contract that he wins – two MVPs and then in the next one wins a world series. I mean, first right. of all, but I digress. Um, I think, yeah, as long 
I mean, his his statistics and his in his even his analytics, everything, obviously, because the traditional will tell you the same story, basically, as the analytics and vice versa. When he's healthy and he plays a lot of games, he is an elite player. I mean, he's an elite player, even when he's playing 18 games. I mean, you see what he did last year. It's a small sample size, granted, but it still is pretty indicative of the rest of his career. So when you see the seasons that he's played in over, you know, 100 games, he's putting up insane numbers, like Hall of Fame level numbers. That's the sort of trajectory that he's on. So when people sort of assume that he's not going to perform and and they and they you know cry about strikeouts it's pretty short-sighted in my opinion when do you think people are going to stop crying about strikeouts never never really because yeah because um i mean actually i mean maybe there's hope for the future because uh, of the push with analytics and it's really forcing the the average fan and the casual fan to come to terms with aspects of the game that they're they're not bad per se. It's not like they're just part of the game. Strikeouts, errors, they're part of the game. So judging a player by their those aspects of the game, especially when the other aspects of the game are so top-notch, it's really short-sighted and it's really it's just doesn't make any sense. But they will because they'll starting to realize it. I really think errors should go away. If you put the ball in play and, I mean, the wind takes it five feet and the fielder doesn't grab it, then, I mean, it's a hit. So so what? It doesn't. The errors have no really statistical impact on the game. No, and, because they're also, they're also at the discretion of the official scorer in the right. stadium. And Who's also a human they, being. Exactly. And it doesn't take – because much like the issues with batting average is that fielding percentage, because that's what we're talking about really – it doesn't take into account that different plays, different positions, they all have different value. Like you, not every hit is the same. There's singles, doubles, with the shift. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So when there's no value being assigned, it's just a counting stat. It doesn't tell you anything at all, especially fielding percentage. To continue with Stanton here, are we going to be upset if he go if he doesn't perform any bats? 220 and has 19 homers in or let, let me let me adjust the 60 game schedule 12 homers yeah i think people are going to be pissed off yeah they'll give them the benefit of the doubt because it's 60 games but this guy is being paid to be 2017 judge 2007 a-rod even though i know he was juiced but still the, the level of production that's the guy we need him and we want him to be. And I just, I want him to be that player. I'm not saying I don't. I'm personally out on him because of the whole, I'm not going to play in game seven or game six when our season's on the line last year. I, I really thought he should have been in the lineup. I know he had a calf injury or a, um, was it a calf or uh, it was Some, either the calf or the knee. I mean, but do you, do you honestly think that's his decision? You think that he's like, no, nah, I'm going to sit. I think he has enough sway in the I, organization, I think, even though he hasn't been here that long. No, he's one of the highest that, paid players in the league. So he ha- if he if he says, I'm going to play, I don't think me- I don't think there's many people that are going to tell him, hey, hey, look, you got eight more years of this. We don't, like, 
especially I think you're putting way too much stock in how much flex a player has in those sort of decisions. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but and maybe I'm just the, the, the guy that's like, well, if it was me, but like everything about the Yankees, it's we need to win titles and we haven't won a title since 09. And I know there's fans and some of my friends kill me for saying we one of my friends is an Indian fan. He goes, I have I've never seen a, a World Series title in my lifetime and neither is my father. So, it's like, yeah, and that's why you have low standards. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's an eternity in New York. And I think with the coal signing, things are starting to change. And I think 2020 is being looked at like 2009 was, where we have to win one. And if we win one this year, the pieces are in place for the continued success. And it could be, it could turn into 96 through 2000. Would you use Stanton as a DH solely and treat him like Big Poppy? Who? Stanton. Would you would you treat him as a universe like he is your DH? I I kind of like how the Yankees rotate it, so I don't mind that. Stanton is a is a pretty you know he's a pretty good outfielder. It's not like he's shitty like uh, Big Poppy was. Big Poppy was terrible in the field. He couldn't put him in the field. Right, but Stanton is is uh, pretty good, so I don't mind the Yankees rotating to keep these guys fresh. The only play I don't I don't think I would put him in left field. I think there's a sort of psyche thing where Stanton was an above average defender with the Marlins in right field. He that was his spot, and then to say, well, we already got a guy, we got Judge, so you're not playing right, so we're going to stick you in left field even though you really haven't played left field ever in your life, especially with a guy with, with the outfield depth that you have, I don't think you need him in the outfield. I think no, you certainly don't need him in there, but he can play. He can play. And I wouldn't play him unless I needed, unless all three guys in the outfield were, were completely gassed. And even then you got guys like Andujar and Frazier who are serviceable out there. And uh, Miggy hasn't played a major league game out there yet, but he's looked okay in summer camp. And Frazier. <laughs> Frazier I, looks horrible out there. Well, Frazier, he's, he's walking on, you know, walking on sunshine, tissue paper and, and glass. He, he's pretty fragile, but when he's out there, he can hit. And yeah, he's I a guy he's fragile. I mean, he did get a concussion. I don't so well, I wouldn't call him fragile, but he no. is shitty in the outfield. Everything, everything post. I'm not talking about the concussion. Everything post concussion, and maybe there's some there's some lingering signs because that's something that can linger. And got, I mean, other sports guys like Luke Keekley or even former Yankees Brandon Drury who had migraines that I I'm almost positive were symptoms of a concussion that he had previously in his life. Uh, that's a daunting task in itself, but he's been on the DL multiple times with wrists with, with, uh, with an ankle injury a couple of years ago. And he was nursing plantar fasciitis at the beginning of summer camp. So he's injury prone, but he can hit. And that's the reason why I think you shouldn't give up on him, but with other players in the pipeline, especially guys that are major league ready, like Tyler Wade, like Andujar, you still have Floreal 
lingering in the shadows with uh, with him. So maybe Frazier's days are numbered. I, I talked about that in the last podcast, but um, I think that Frazier's, you know, now that the Universal DH is here and it'll probably be here to stay, mm-hmm. um, that certainly helps a player like Frazier to yeah. open up. It op- you know, it gives an entire, it gives another a job to a lot of guys that otherwise wouldn't have it because now pitchers don't have to hit in the other half of the league, especially with a twenty-six man too, right? Being introduced. Right. And if um, I could be honest, I'd take Stanton left field over Andujar anywhere. I'd rather Andujar be the DH until he gets his shit together defensively. I trust Stanton way more wherever he is. I agree. I mean, we haven't seen – we've not seen much video of uh, Andujar not double-clutching wherever he's playing. But really quickly – I'm more concerned, is- to be honest, about his um, free swinging. Uh, I hope that he's – been working hard on uh, his uh, seeing the ball in the batter's box and taking a few more pitches because his uh, rookie year, he obviously raked, but he did not walk much. So he's got to work on getting on base other ways. Some guys just don't walk. I mean, look at, look I know, at a guy ben, like Tim Anderson. But guys that don't walk, they're not the best players. Andujar has the potential to be a really good player, but if he can't walk and he's either – because he's not going to be the home run hitter. Like he's, if he gets up and he gets bigger and he gets a little bit more strength, sure. But if not, then he's got to learn how to walk. Unless he either has to mash and hit, be a home run hitter, or learn how to walk. But preferably both. His walk percentage was like four percent, which is yeah, awful. It was putrid. But I mean, he still hit forty something doubles and was. Right. I, well, I'm not saying that he didn't play well. He did, but <laughs> no, he needs I know. to learn how to walk. Uh, he can't be swinging at everything, especially when he's in the league for a long time. Well, let's talk. Let's say that. Leave that to Sanchez because he's that his breaking ball chasing is ridiculous, especially in the playoffs. Let's take one more quick break and then we'll come back with uh with something fun. All right. So to end off the podcast, really, really quickly, I want to talk two things. I first, I want to get. What is your over-under for Boone ejections in 60 games? Because I think he is one of the most, you better call the game the right way, and if you're not, I'm going to chirp your ear off about it. And the word got around the league last year. He got tossed a lot. So I'm going to set my over-under at 10. I'm going to say he gets kicked out of a sixth of the games. Hmm. I, I'm going to go under that. I think that he's going to go get kicked out way less this year because he can't, they can't get in their faces and shit. So I think that it's going to be way less. Yeah, but he got thrown out. He's been thrown out from the dugout before. That's true. I don't know. I, I got some faith in Booney that he may keep his cool a little bit more this season. <laughs> All right. Last thing that I want to talk about, and I don't really truly know the origin story of this, but I want to know how A-Rod became your favorite Yankee. Is he your favorite Yankee ever? Oh, yeah, hands down. How did he become your favorite Yankee of all time? Well, that's because he was my favorite player first. So when I was really little, probably like seven or eight years old, I was a Ken Griffey Jr. fan. I was playing Little League. So I guess I was a Mariners fan, but I was a kid in New York in, you know, the 90s. So it's not like I had MLB TV or anything, but Griffey was the man in the mid-90s. So I loved Griffey, and... A-Rod was drafted and then was called up to the Mariners during that same time frame. 
and I loved him and thought he was cute. And just from then on, I just, he was just forever my favorite player. He was, even though I was a Yankees fan then, cause when I was 10, the Yankees started winning a ton. So what do right. kids do when teams win? They become fans of that team. So I became a Yankees fan, but I always loved A-Rod. I mean, Pettit was my favorite Yankee during those times, but A-Rod was still my number one. So needless to say, February 2004 for me was a very good time when he got brought, when he signed and was traded to New York. So that's really, that's, that's the story. That's it. I, th- I think you're the number one A-Rod apologist. I, maybe in the world, other than, you know, maybe J-Lo. But, like, it's very rare that you get got, get anybody to defend A-Rod. And there's people out here that hate him, that vehemently hate him, especially now that he's turning face with, uh, with the ESPN stuff and possibly trying to buy the Mets. Would that hurt at all? No. No, Uh-oh. I mean— It'll, it'll just make me laugh even harder when people continue to hate him and they just want him to fail and he just continues to succeed. I mean, how much does this guy love the game? Am I right that the game, you know, Major League Baseball went from like paying people to obtain evidence against him to nail his ass to the wall with uh, PEDs to now possibly courting he, he and his wife to purchase the team and now be a part of this organization. And this guy came back for more after all of that, after the league, the players association, every player. And with good reason, don't get me wrong. I mean, we reap what we sow in life and he made his mistakes right. and he paid for them uh, by serving the longest suspension in major league baseball history. And it cost him like $25 million. So I He's think that that, that takes a lot now. of resolve. And I think that, I give him credit for that because he could have he could have just walked away and slunk away with his money and just never to be heard from again and, and his his legacy only being uh, heralded by me. But instead, he stuck with it and he and he grew up and he matured and he he turned his image around and he humbled himself and he's talked about his failures and talked about the bad decisions he's made and reflected on them publicly. And I think that's really admirable. And I think a lot of people uh, don't have the courage to do that kind of thing. I wish I knew you in 2015 because you must have been borderline as catatonic, given your, your your fandom and everything that he was that he went through to hit 20. I think did he hit 25 bombs in, in 2015 to, yeah. to end his career before he uh, got pushed out the door because the Yankees. Didn't yeah, want that to was in a, in 2016. Yeah, they didn't want to shelve him like. Uh, I think 40 more million bucks because he was going to break 700. But I mean, that's a, that's a podcast for another day. Emily, I'm so happy that you agreed to do this. Uh, the invitation is always open if you want to do more. And um, yeah, I'd love to. This is great. Let the people know where they can find you. You can find me at M. She does it. E M S H E D O E S I T. And you can listen to my co-host john that's at he's at johnny does it too on twitter you can catch us every saturday our podcast is breaking balls it's available on all platforms and joe thank you so much for having me the pleasure is always mine um hopefully we can get the next time that both of us talk there's gonna be baseball that's actually being played and actually means something yeah for sure let's go yankees 
on this side of the coin, not the fake Jay Leo on Twitter, jdatasports.blogspot.com. And of course, this podcast. If you've reached this point in the podcast, please like, subscribe, share with anybody who you seem fit. If you're on iTunes, please give us a review. Huge thanks to Emily for doing this. This is not going to be the last time that you hear from her. And a little bit of bookkeeping before we end. If you've noticed, we've got new music. New intro and outro music. That is from Sarah Debman, or her stage name, Sarah the Illumtrimist. You can follow her on Spotify. She is awesome. I'm so thankful that she let me use her, her music here at the beginning and at the ending of the podcast from here on out. That's what you're going to hear. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, big things are coming. More things like this will pop up on your feed. So if you haven't already, I will say it again, please like, subscribe, share with anybody who you seem fit, download the podcast, and um, yeah, have a good weekend. Till next time, it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.